Hi everyone, I am Annika Duthry and welcome to World Deconstructed, where we will break down complex international topics for busy teenagers like you. Today's topic is gerrymandering. Today's topic is gerrymandering. No, it's not stealing cherries from an orchard. And no, it's not mending Jerry's shoes. And if you're asking, well then, what is it? We need to start by understanding what is a census. Every 10 years, the US Census Bureau determines the number of people living in the United States, along with other factors, such as their address, age, gender, ethnicity, and more. It's kind of like what all the social media companies do, but more open, transparent, honest, and actually for the good of the people. But you might be confused why the government has to do this. It is actually required in the Constitution. Article 1, Sections 2 and 9 state that a census has to be executed every 10 years for the apportionment of representatives in the House. But what is apportionment? Basically, it means to split the 435 representatives in the House between the 50 states based on their population. You know how you and your friends pull all the candy after Halloween trick-or-treating and split it up evenly? It's similar to that. But why? To understand that bit, we first have to talk briefly about districts. So what are districts and why do they change over time? Districts are the regions in each state that are represented by one representative. Now the important thing is, each of these districts are made so they have a relatively equal population to all the other districts in the state. This is to ensure that every person has a relatively equal say in their government and that their vote is worth about the same regardless of where they live. However, since people do move over time, the census is conducted every 10 years to understand where people live now and because of the changes in population between states and districts, the districts have to change in order to make sure the population in each district stays about the same. Now, when talking at the federal level, this process has two major steps. The first is determining how many representatives are there per state, called apportionment, and the second is changing the districts in each state, called redistricting. Apportionment is done first, and essentially the new populations of each state are used to determine how many representatives each state gets. For example, if California has about one-tenth of the population of the whole U.S., then it would get about one-tenth of the total representatives. Afterward, to divide the state up for however many representatives they have from apportionment, different states have different processes for determining and approving the new districts. Six states have a small enough population that they have only one congressional district for the whole state. Arkansas is unique and has a committee comprised of the governor, attorney general, and secretary of state for Arkansas that decides the districts. And for 25 other states, the new districts are determined by the state legislature or state government. However, this can often lead to political bias in creating the new districts. And in order to overcome this, 13 states allow an independent or bipartisan group to decide the districts. Five other states allow an independent commission to determine the districts, 
but the maps still have to be approved by the state legislature. But how does determining districts lead to political bias? You just have to divide up the state into regions with equal populations. It seems relatively straightforward. Well, actually it is anything but. Depending on how district lines are drawn, the political party that wins a majority of the districts can vary immensely. And that brings us to the topic of today, gerrymandering. So what is gerrymandering? Gerrymandering is to draw district lines with racial or partisan bias in order to advantage one party over another rather than ensuring equal say by the voters. How district lines are drawn can determine election results, with drawing the lines one way leading to a landslide for the majority, while drawing them another way leading to the minority party actually winning more seats. And there are four main strategies that are used when it comes to gerrymandering. Cracking, packing, hijacking, and kidnapping. The example above is a great example of what cracking and packing look like. The top left is cracking. The yellow are split up between the five districts so that they can never have a majority. And the blue win all the seats. The top right example is packing. Most of the blues are packed into a couple districts. So even though they win those districts, yellow wins more districts overall and actually wins more seats. Like when your mom made you eat every piece of broccoli when she made broccoli pasta and you would try to figure out what is a better choice. Take a small piece of broccoli with every bite of pasta or relish all the pasta and leave the broccoli to deal with at the end. That represents the difference between cracking and packing. And another way is kidnapping, which is when a current representative lives in a new district, forcing them to campaign and make themselves known to a whole new set of voters. And this is like when your mom surprises you and throws in peas in the pasta instead of broccoli, and you have to figure out a whole new strategy all over again. And lastly, hijacking is when two districts are redrawn such that two current representatives have to run against each other. And here, your mom pulls off the ultimate, throws in peas and broccoli, both in the pasta for you to deal with. Nefarious, mom. Nefarious. Now, gerrymandering has a long history, dating to before America even existed. Historical records show examples of gerrymandering in 18th century England, and the practice traveled to the colonies early in their history. However, the practice was first given a name in 1812, when Elbridge Gerry signed off on new districts in Massachusetts, and the local newspaper printed a political cartoon illustrating how one of the districts was so abnormally shaped that it looked like a salamander. This led the newspaper to combine Gerry and salamander and name the process gerrymandering. And this practice continued in the following decades, increasing and decreasing in extremeness and as tensions between the major parties increased and decreased as well. Once African-American men gained the right to vote, gerrymandering dramatically increased in the South, where there are several instances of Black Americans being packed into one district to ensure a white majority in the rest of the state, even when the majority of those in the state were Black. This decreased as poll taxes and other voter intimidation tactics increased in the South, and politicians no longer believed they needed to gerrymander in order to keep a white majority. Later in the 1960s, Supreme Court decisions and the Voting Rights Act 
made it even harder to gerrymander districts and actually increased the minority vote across the country. However, this victory was short-lived when computer technology became more popular and gerrymandering could be done in a way to follow the letter of the law while still allowing politicians to choose their voters. And where does this computer expertise go when questioning Mark Zuckerberg and other CEOs in Senate hearings? You know what they say, when you meet a celebrity, your brain goes poof. Well, gerrymandering has come a long way from the Salamander District in 1812 to more current cases such as this one, considered the most gerrymandered district in the nation. This is the infamous Pennsylvania 6th District from 2018. Hmm, what does it look like? Hold on, is that, it looks to me like Goofy kicking Pluto? which raises a whole host of questions. I have to start by talking about something that scarred my elementary years. How Goofy is a dog, but wears human clothes and lives in a house and drives a car. But Pluto is a dog and is just a dog. Disney, what were you guys thinking? You have single-handedly contributed to the scarred childhood of generations of kids. Second, what is with dog and dog violence in this district? There is deeper symbolism here than Dan Brown can muster in Da Vinci's Code. And what is with picking on Disney characters? They are about wonder and innocence and childhood and should have nothing to do with politics. Oh, but wait, Florida threw that out already. Speaking of, DeSantis, maybe you should hire staff from Penn 6th. At least they didn't get outsmarted by Disney and got theirs done. In fact, things have gone so out of hand that many of these districts out there, someone with a lot of time put an entire alphabet together using just gerrymandered districts. Now that is how you know things have gotten really bad, when there's a font. Now, just to be fair, drawing district lines is a very, very difficult process. Not all weirdly shaped districts are gerrymandered, and not all gerrymandered districts are weirdly shaped. In fact, you can try to gerrymander yourself to power in this awesome game from our friends at the New York Times. The link is in the description below, but be careful, it's very addictive. Now, both parties, a majority of people agree that the perils are real for gerrymandering and they want action to be taken. Several prominent politicians also agree and have taken action by supporting the For the People Act in Congress which would require states to have an independent commission draw the district lines instead of partisan lawmakers. However, many politicians in both parties still take action in support of gerrymandering, such as voting against the For the People Act and gerrymandering district maps themselves. And since those in power benefit the most from gerrymandering, it is even more unlikely the majority of them will take action against this process. Outside of Congress people and representatives, the courts have also played a big role in regulating gerrymandering. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that redistricting that discriminates on racial or ethnic grounds is unconstitutional. However, it has been reluctant to issue a similarly strong ruling for partisan redistricting. It has ruled that excessive partisan redistricting violates the Constitution. But without clear guidelines about what constitutes excessive, this ruling cannot be enforced. 
More recently, North Carolina Supreme Court ruled that courts could not control district maps in North Carolina, allowing gerrymandered maps to be implemented. This ruling is a large blow to democracy, preventing future challenges to gerrymandered districts. Don't you just hate it when your sibling finishes off your stash of Halloween candy, and when you go to tell your parents, their only response is, you guys should sort this out by yourselves. But as this shows, courts have a large impact in deciding when to overturn maps, and even if they have the power to do so, with more recent decisions taking away the people's biggest avenue to challenging gerrymandered maps. But there are several solutions to this problem. Looking at the world, the majority of democracies do not have the problem of gerrymandering due to primarily using independent commissions to draw their district lines. One of the most popular solutions in the US is taking partisan lawmakers and politicians out of the process, just as they are internationally, and give redistricting to an independent committee. This will allow the map to be drawn without political biases or agendas in mind and create good maps. Now, when looking at maps currently created by independent commissions in states such as Virginia, especially compared to maps created by state legislatures such as in North Carolina, the effectiveness in creating unbiased maps is easily seen when drawn by independent commissions. Lastly, technology is a great way in drawing district maps that are unbiased and detecting gerrymandered ones. The Gerrymandering Project at Princeton University uses mathematics to determine gerrymandered maps and how gerrymandered they actually are. And mathematicians have also created algorithms to redraw maps such so that they have the least gerrymandering possible and best represent the state as a whole. So even if you are not a STEM person, you still gotta take those math classes. Well, that was a lot of information, but there you have it, a crash course on gerrymandering. If you wanna learn more about this topic, check out these links to the US Supreme Court cases, several think tank and news articles further exploring the topic, all in the description below. And if you wanna get involved and make your voice heard, call or email your Congress people and senators. Or even better, go old school and write them a letter using that gerrymander font. Don't know where who they are? Check out the resources in the description below to find out and contact them easily. Are there any other topics or news articles you guys want broken down? Any suggestions or recommendations on how we can make this show better for you? Share your comments down below and we'll get right on it. Don't forget to like and subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, share this episode with your friends when it's out. See you next time.